Welcome back to the Northern Kentucky Football Show podcast, a show made famous by the greatest television sports director in greater Cincinnati history, Joe Daneman. I'm just riding a shotgun. Come on, man. I'm the Robin to your Batman. Thanks for the plug, Friday night. That was great. You like that? I did. It's the second time I've done that. No, I only saw the one. I'm sorry. But I think it kind of adds a little bit of credibility. It does. To what I'm talking about. When I talk about the Northern Kentucky teams on the final quarter, hey, man, it comes from a place where I'm doing some homework. You you have, and you do. I was up until 3 a.m. this morning looking up stats, finding storylines, digging through games. Dedication, Holmes. I'm here. I started Friday night and finished I know you did. Uh, an hour ago. You're a little more obsessive about yeah, it than I am. I am. It's but that's different. good. Someone needs to be because no, I get it. I just show up and talk. You do the work. You are this generation's Don Weber. That's oh, why. Man, I can't handle that. I cannot fit in those shoes. Eight weeks down, three to go. Eleven games to review from last week with ten on deck beginning Thursday night. Really looking forward to seeing some of these matchups this weekend. Anything stand out from you? From this past week? Did you notice the shirt I'm wearing? Bishop Brossert, track and field. Well, yes, it's track and field. Because I spoke at the career day last week, and they gave me this shirt. But I wanted to talk about the Bishop Brossert football team when I got there. I'm Mm -hmm. like, you all want to hear a talk about TV, careers, values, that kind of thing as you become an adult. I'm like, you tell me about your undefeated football team. I called out Jed Martin in the crowd. I said, hey, where's the real Jed Martin? He raised his hand, and I said, why do they call you the real Jed Mart? And he kind of shrugged and said, I don't know. I just kind of picked the name, man. It's cool for Twitter. So you met our people there? I met our people. And I found out that, and I'm not going to remember the exact year, but sometime in a recent handful of years, they got to the point where they didn't know if they were going to keep football. Yes. So a guy that used to be their athletic director, Adam Franzen, who's a friend of mine, he's a basketball coach. He coaches with the girls now. He coached with the boys for years. So Adam has a podcast. And does a really nice job with it. Um, it's more based more towards um, Christian and or just like Catholicism. Um, it's definitely not anything like the derelict shows that I do. Uh, very deep thinking, things like that um, about faith. And he came on and did one. I believe it was la- early last week. He had been on the um, Brossert broadcast. Um, whenever they played, I, I don't even know who they played. And so he basically was just kind of talking about that scenario and uh, with Dave Schauble of how close they were to shutting it down. And so Adam basically just cut the, uh, that part of the broadcast, like that, the interview that he had did. And, you know, he spoke a little bit about it and then um, uploaded it to his podcast feed. It really is a pretty cool story because they were down to the 11th hour this was before the football field. Their coach had just quit. I think they had, it was under 15 kids, right? And so they were like, well, we'll give it to X date. I think Danny Ritter, who used to be the football coach at Dayton, was just coming in to be the principal. So there was a lot of transition there. And um, it was just a really cool story about, you know, the kids, the older kids that had been in the program, they met with the athletic department um, heads and the principal, and they told him, look, don't give up on us, basically. We'll go find players. And they ended up getting to about 22, 23 kids, had a decent year, and the rest is history. And here we are. Yeah. In 2021, they're 8-0, and 
and very much staring down a perfect regular season that would take him to 10-0. and And you could see the excitement when I talked to the kids just about the team to get the attention that they're getting, not only on the podcast, but on the local news. They're ranked in the state, and it's amazing to see where they were. And this isn't that long ago. We're not talking 20, 25 years ago. My understanding was it was the last five, seven, eight mm-hmm. years that they had this problem, and here they are now. And they have really talented players having a great year and had a really great performance on Friday night. So that's why I wanted to come in here in the T-shirt. I took a couple of arrows. Yes, you did. When I walked into the front office here at Scott High School. Yeah, you saw Gus Hallett and his mullet. I did see Gus Hallett. Better mullet in person than I ever thought. Oh, yeah. See, the helmet hides some of the greatness. Mm-hmm. But when he's wearing just like a trucker hat and has that thing going, he said he has the mullet is now, oh, gosh, we're looking at like 16 months he said he got a cut it. He got a cut last time last May, like the start of the pandemic, and has had it going since. Maybe he'll cut it before basketball starts. The podcast that uh, Adam does is called "Come to the Table." If you you know have about ten minutes, fifteen minutes to listen to that that story that he um, about that. So it's just you know, another plug. Yeah, Adam's a good dude. Reppin Brosser, yeah, they deserve man. it. Yeah, yes, no doubt. Uh, to the week eight games. The final from Fred Neville Stadium in Hebron, Cooper 43, Connor 7, and what has become one of the best rivalries in Northern Kentucky, the bragging rights battle of State Route 237, looked promising early on for the Connor Cougars. On the second player of the game, Connor's Clayton Melcher found a seam and motored 55 yards down this left sideline to the Cooper 12. Four plays later, Alex Castrusi found his way into the end zone for the one-yard touchdown and a 7-0 lead. On Cooper's second possession, Drew Worth and the boys would orchestrate a 12-play, 80-yard drive that ended on a fourth and four, 37-yard touchdown pass to Alex Turner in the corner of the end zone to tie the score at seven all. Not going to lie, standing on the sidelines with my buddy Matt Young, I didn't realize, I thought it was fourth and one, but the digital scout said it was fourth and four. And I saw Drew Worth drop back to pass, and I was like, "Uh, bro, you've got Eli White and Brennan Ty. Just hand the ball off. And then he throws this bomb, and it was a dime. Yeah. It was a great – I mean, if you could find, um, you know, a huddle highlight on this kid's uh, Twitter or something, it was awesome. Doesn't it feel, though, sometimes the best time to take a shot is on fourth and short-ish? Yeah. Because you would think the defense is gearing up, Mm -hmm. especially with Cooper's offensive style and what they have in that backfield. Like, hey, man, look, it's kind of no man's land when you're at, what, the 37-yard line? You know, it's too close to punt, too far for a field goal. we got to go for it. They probably think we're going to run it or do something short. Pop, over your head, touchdown. Yeah, it was a great pass. Great catch as well. My guy. However, on the ensuing first down, Castrusi would fumble as he was being tackled, and it was picked up at the Cooper 40 by sophomore Xander Taylor, who rumbled and stumbled his way to the end zone and sent the Cooper sideline into a frenzy and a 13-7 lead. After a Cougar four and out, Cooper would get the ball back on their 20 and began marching down the field on an Eli White and Brennan Ty rushes and Jack Lineker receptions. The drive would end on a 24-yard touchdown pass from Worth to Alex Turner, his second of the night. After the Jack Lineker two-point conversion, the Jags led 21-7. Connor would then mount a good drive, but the 47-yard field goal attempt by Nick Keller was wide left. On Cooper's second possession of the third quarter, Brennan Ty started doing Brennan Ty type things. A 34-yard touchdown run with 6.57 left in a quarter. 
Jack Lonecker's two-point conversion made it 29-7. On their next possession, Ty set up his second rushing touchdown with a 41-yard run to the Cougar 5, then scored the next play to make it 35-7. Lonecker's third two-point conversion made it 37-7 with 139 to play in the third. Brennan Ty would get the hat trick on a 49-yard touchdown run with 8.26 to go in the game. Austin Alexander's two-point conversion finished the scoring at 43-7 in the Jags' victory. Brennan Ty finished with 20 carries for 202 yards. Eli Whitehead, eight carries for 33 yards. Drew Worth was 10 of 13 for 151 yards. Alex Turner caught four passes for 75 yards. Jack Lonaker had three catches for 43 yards. Austin Alexander had a 25-yard catch. Eli White and Jake Harmeyer also had catches. Ty, Lonaker, and Harmeyer all had five tackles. Lucas White had three and a half. And Xander Taylor had three for Connor. Alex Castrusi rushed 20 times for 68 yards and was six of 15 for 56 yards. Clayton Melcher, who filled in for Elijah Thompson, who was injured, played really well, rushed eight times for 61 yards. Brandon Kale had two catches for 20 yards. Melcher also caught two passes for 16 yards. Cody Crawford had a 12-yard catch. And Terry Phillips had an eight-yard catch. Carter Lindemann finished with 12 tackles, 11 which were solo, one tackle for loss, and a sack. Carter now has 55 tackles and three sacks on the year. Kestrusi had six tackles. Melcher had five. And Cooper Elliston had four. Carter Johnson and Jake Wallace each had fumble recoveries. Two wins in a row for Cooper, now 5-2 and two on the season. You look at their schedule. They finished their final three games, Boone County, Highlands, Butler. So I think a very good chance to finish 8-2 and two in the regular season. They haven't had a winning regular season since 2016. They haven't won eight games in a regular season since 2015. So this is one of the better years for Cooper in the last five, six years. So having a great season. Uh, with Randy Borchers, but it's funny. We talk about Brendan Ty, and I'll talk about him a lot, but Drew Worth, very efficient game, 10 of 13, 151 yards, two touchdowns, and when you make plays on fourth downs, game changers. Big-time game-changing play from Drew Worth. But Ty is up to 784 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns in just seven games. So you're talking about a kid who's on pace for more than 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns. Big-time breakout year for the Northern Kentucky Joe Mixon. Alex Turner is a guy I hadn't heard much about. And Played so, really well. Four catches, 75 yards, scored twice, obviously made the big play on fourth down. Nice to see some new names that pop up even late in the season having big games. But I think the the big number in this game was the Cooper defense holding Connor to less than 200 yards because Connor had been really good offensively yep. in the last month, understanding Elijah Thompson. I mean, that's just not... That's not an excuse. That's an explanation mm -hmm. to why they didn't have a great game offensively. He's right there, you know, 1-1-A with Alex Castrusi as the most important players on their team. So to miss him, uh, hopefully they get him back very soon because he's a big-time difference maker for them. Uh, it does snap Connors' four-game winning streak. They dropped to 5-3, and three, so still having a good year. Off this week, then play Covcath and GRC to finish the season. Uh, you mentioned Carter Lindemann. He's a guy we talk about almost every week, I feel like. He, we do. His name really pops mm -hmm. up, having a great season. Mason Delph was another guy who had a good a good game on Friday, uh, Thursday night. 
Uh, five plays in the backfield for for Lindemann and Delph combined, three tackles for loss, two sacks. So a couple of guys making some plays defensively for Connor, but Cooper again continues to assert itself as one of the top handful of teams, I believe, in Northern Kentucky. We've talked all year long about how easily they could be 7-0. and They're 5-2. and That's the reality. Having a great season, and I think they should be shouted out for it, and I think we do it here. Dixie, 33, Simon Kenton, 20. The Colonels pick up their fourth win on the road in Independence and do so with a 400-yard night from their offense. Coming into Friday, Dixie's offense was averaging 243 yards a game, but Logan Landers passed for that and then some en route to their first district win. Simon Kenton's first possession of the game ended on a Colin Smith interception, his third of the year at the Dixie 39-yard line. Then he returned 29 yards to the Simon Kenton 41. Six plays later, Landers scored on an option from three yards out to give Dixie the quick 7-0 lead. Simon Kenton would answer with an eight-play drive that ended on an Andrew Petty 36-yard field goal to make it 7-3. Later in the first, Dixie would take a 14-3 lead on Mark Dugan's one-yard touchdown run with 27 seconds remaining in the quarter. In the second, after a pioneer punt gave Dixie the ball on their 11-yard line, Landers hit Devin Holbert for 24 yards on first down. Four plays later, Landers would summon the god of quarterbacks and toeheads with a 50-yard dime piece to Holbert for a touchdown. Simon Kenton's Andrew Petty would then kick his second field goal of the game, a 25-yarder, to make the score 20-6 at the break. Midway through the third, Dixie would take a 27-6 lead on a four-yard touchdown run from Mark Dugan, his second of the game. Chase Crone would lead the Pioneers down the field on a long drive that ended on a Jaden Lawson six-yard touchdown run around the left corner to make it 27-13 with just over a minute left in the third. However, Dixie would answer with their final scoring drive of the night that ended on a Landers to Holbert 26-yard touchdown pass to make it 33-13. Simon Kenton would answer that with a drive of their own, which was capped off by a one-yard touchdown run from Crone. Dixie would get the kickoff and run out the clock, securing their first district win. Logan Landers was 14 of 23 for 258 yards and added 49 yards on the ground. Pierce Rollman rushed for 72 yards, and Ryan Diltz ran for 18. Holbert finished with six catches for 137 yards. Brock Rice had three catches for 63 yards, and Rollman had three catches for 24 yards. Gabe Thielen had a 21-yard catch, and Mark Dugan had a 13-yard catch. Colin Smith, Pierce Rollman, Brock Rice, and Mark Dugan each had five tackles. Yes, we have defensive stats for Dixie this week, Joe, believe it or not. Kel Hawkins had four. Holbert, Evan Wiberly, and Ahmad Edwards had three. For Simon Kenton, Chase Crone was 15 of 31 for 172 yards and rushed for 60. Jaden Lawson ran for 58 yards on 15 carries. Luke Morrison had six catches for 85 yards. Chase Williams had seven catches for 77 yards. Andrew Petty was perfect Friday night, 2-2 two and two on field goals and extra points. Defensively, Josh Bowling had a game-high 13 tackles, which puts him at 74 on the year. Lucas Ferment had 11 tackles. Chase Gill had nine. Chase Williams had six, Aiden Harris, Carter Blades, and Mark Ober all had four. Nice to see Logan Landers have a really big game in an important spot for Dixie. So over 300 total yards when you combine his passing yards and his rushing yards in this game. We know he's very much capable of doing this on the weekly for Dixie. So big-time breakout game for Logan Landers. You need to send me that clip. I want to see that pass, man. I will. Okay, so. Sorry, I have mute on. It's okay. We're going to see that Logan Landers play. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, Devin Holbert is another guy we talk about often on this show, having a nice game for Dixie. The Dixie season, to me, is fascinating. It's gone 
win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. Four and three. And still, that team, I, I know it's there. I know they are capable. And we'll talk about their next game, I'm sure, later in the show because this is the one that I'm looking forward to most from Dixie to see if they can kind of get hot here at the end of the season. So, Logan Landers, big game. Dixie, good win. For Simon Kenton, look, I know one, no one wants to hear you know, someone you know, gas them up after they lose a game by 13 points and have lost back-to-back games. But I think SK is improving. I really do. They won their first game three weeks ago, lost by 30 two weeks ago against a team in Corbin who leads the state in point differential. Look, they're a monster. So that's the kind of game you just kind of write off and say, whatever. Then they played Dixie, and I thought for portions of this game, and you went through the rundown there of how they kept coming back every time Dixie would score, they would answer. And, you know, I thought held their own against a really good Dixie team. So I do think Simon Kenton, when you look at some of the numbers from earlier in the season to where they are now, I think they are improving. Again, no one wants to hear that when you lose a big game by 13 points. But I do think SK can continue to improve throughout the year with a few weeks left of the regular season before they get to the playoffs. But Dixie, 4-3, and three, I think in a pretty decent spot and really looking forward to their matchup next week when they play Ryle. Newport Central Catholic, 69, Ludlow, 28. The Breds win their fourth in a row and move to 5-2 and two on the season. The 69 points scored is the highest total from a Newcath team since their 70-20 to 20 win against Owen County on November 5th, 2010. What were you doing back in those days there, Joe? Working in Evansville, Indiana. Ugh. (laughs) Sophomore quarterback Colton Smith with another massive night. He was 15 of 22 for 302 yards and threw five touchdown passes. Matthew Landrum caught three of those touchdown passes and had seven catches in the game for 168 yards. Nick Rouse had three catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Dominic Morgan caught two passes for 17 yards. Luke Runyon had two catches for 16 yards. Demetric Welch had an 11-yard touchdown catch and rushed for two touchdowns. Smith and Runyon both rushed for 22 yards. Brady Reckers had a 13-yard touchdown run as well. Dom Morgan continues to do work defensively. He had 13 tackles on Thursday, and all were solo tackles, including one for loss. He also had a 25-yard strip and score in the third quarter that he stiff-armed, <laughs> looked like Brogan O'Brien from Ludlow. And I used that picture for the graphic this week. It was great. Is he a team captain? I don't know. Think about it. I would say yes. Captain Morgan. Captain Morgan. We need to get him a car. We need to get him a car. I think he earned it. It must be nice to be amazing at everything. You know? Mm-hmm. Like one of those T-birds that oh, like, yeah. Billy Madison had when Ooh. he rolled up to the school, when he went back I mean, to New school. Newcastle is one of those kind of throwback kind of schools. Exactly, if you had man. roll in with the rock music blaring and your T-tops and... yeah. Put on some sticks. Yeah, but Dom doesn't have any facial hair. Like, yeah, I don't know if he can grow it, so he probably would pull it off. That's a good thing, man. One less thing to worry about. Quentin Gilliam had seven tackles. Luke Runyon had four. Mitch Doker, C.J. Gavin, Nick Rouse, Luke Brockman, and Caleb Cole all had three. Brady Reckers had an interception that he returned for 25 yards for the Panthers. Good to see Braxton Newborn have a big night running the ball. 26 carries for 209 yards and a touchdown. Joe is celebrating. Nick Tackett had a 79-yard touchdown run on his only carry of the night. Brogan O'Brien rushed for 43 yards and a score and was 5 of 10 for 51 yards and threw a touchdown pass to Tackett, who finished with four catches for 30 yards. Jackson Rice had a 21-yard catch. Newborn led the defense with 11 tackles. Tackett had 10. Rice and O'Brien both had six. 
Sean Bowling and Matt Brock had five. Bowling also had a sack and a tackle for loss. Four straight wins for Newcath, now 5-2, and two, ranked number six in the AP poll. I believe they'll win the next two before playing Beachwood to end the regular season. So that would be a six-game winning streak going into the final game of the season when they play Beachwood. Colton Smith, sophomore, correct? Yes. Okay. Last three games for Colton Smith, 13 touchdown passes. Wow. Five this week, five the previous week, three the week before that. That's a sophomore, 13 touchdown passes. Man, I'm glad I picked him on my fantasy waiver wire in the Stephen Joe Northern Kentucky High School Football Fantasy League. That doesn't exist. So Matthew Landrum, big game here, seven catches, three touchdowns. The funny thing to me about Colton Smith, and I think this speaks to a young guy who not necessarily just is throwing a bunch of touchdowns, but is getting a lot of people involved. Landrum this week. Yeah. Another week it's Luke Runyon. Another week it's Demetric Welch. I think that's impressive for a young quarterback not to latch on to one guy, mm-hmm. that he can really distribute the ball to a lot of his teammates. So I think that's good on Colton Smith besides just the big numbers. Uh, for Ludlow, six straight losses, but Braxton Newborn, your table is ready. 209 yards. A touchdown. He's up to 684 rushing yards in six games. And my understanding is he's been banged up a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of fighting through things, and still is having a big year, even though he is circled and underlined on every scouting report. I would imagine they play again. So your table is ready. Drinks on the house at the Ludlow Tavern. Steve's buying. <laughs> Beachwood 56, Holy Cross 7. It's too bad about the Buffalo bar being done. I know, man. I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah. the Tigers stay unbeaten on 430 yards of offense, while their defense allowed 138 yards of offense to the Indians. Cameron Hergett was 16 of 24 for 324 yards and threw five touchdown passes. However, he rushed for negative five yards, probably for the first time since he was a Campbell County Red Devil. Bencham. He needs to go to the bench. Done. He sucks. Yeah, get a haircut. No. Beachwood got six first-half touchdowns. <laughs> the first was a 32-yard pass to Brady Moore, who also had an 18-yard touchdown catch later in the quarter. Avery Courtney had seven carries for 47 yards, but had a one-yard touchdown run for Beachwood's second score of the game and an 11-yard touchdown run just before the half. Avery also had an 11-yard touchdown catch on the first play of the second quarter. Parker Mason got in on the fun as well with a 23-yard touchdown catch near the end of the first quarter. Parker caught three passes for 64 yards. Keaton Durrett had four catches for 86 yards. Mitch Berger caught two balls for 48 yards. Ben Meyer had a 32-yard catch. Liam McCormick had two catches for 24 yards. And Tanner Jackson had a nine-yard touchdown catch at the end of the third quarter. Xander Riegler carried the ball six times for 54 yards and scored the final Beachwood touchdown on a 24-yard scamper in the fourth. For the Indians, Landon Phillips rushed five times for 50 yards and threw a 38-yard touchdown pass to Braden Niemeyer early in the fourth quarter. LeVar Jones ran the ball 10 times for 22 yards. And Javier Ward had two carries for 13 yards and an 11-yard catch. Ward, Terrell Moses, Landon Phillips, Cade Lemkel, and Braden Niemeyer all had five tackles for Holy Cross. Niemeyer recorded three sacks and three tackles for loss. Beachwood 7-0, running tally now on the season of 286-49 to in those seven games. So they are averaging only allowing seven points per game. Still holding strong at number two in the state in scoring defense in that category. So as much as we talk about Cam Hergett, the Mitchell Burgers, the Avery Courtney's, all those players on offense, their defense is legit. They're real. 
and they're a big reason why Beachwood's one of the better teams in the state. By the way, Xavier Campbell is up to nine sacks this season. Wow. Top five in the state with those nine sacks. So he's one of the big reasons that defense is so good. With Cam Hergit, and we've been talking about it, it's been the E-word all year long with Efficiency. us. Efficiency, you know, and... You talked about the rushing yards. We kind of poked fun at him a little bit because, uh, yeah, he's really good, and we don't ever get really to say anything bad about him. We shouldn't because he's really good. (laughs) But he is second in the state now with completion percentage at 74%. 74% for a guy um, that we wondered, what could be the next level to his game after winning Mr. Football? I think you're seeing it. I think you're seeing efficiency uh, this year that he didn't have. Uh, at this level last year, up to 15 touchdown passes, one interception. That ratio is bonkers, having a great year. And we talked about this with Colton Smith. It's a sign of a good quarterback. Look at the number of players who made catches on this team. So he completed 16 passes in this game, eight different players for Beachwood. He threw the ball to eight different teammates on 16 completions. That's a guy seeing the field, not locking in on his first read or a second read, bang, bang, bang. Different people getting guys involved. And look, we all played sports. When when you're involved, you know, you, you want to be out there. It, it kind of gets your juices going, gets yeah, your energy up a little bit. You. Yeah, it really it does. motivates you to, to keep getting better. Yeah. And so I think when, you know, you got Cam Hergett throwing the ball and look, man, I'm involved. I'm going to keep coming out here and, and, and playing hard and giving it my all. I think that makes a difference. Uh, Xander Riegler, that's a new name. I, I don't remember seeing him much this year. So for him to pop out with six carries, 54 yards and a touchdown, good for Xander to have a nice game and get a touchdown in this game. Beachwood only allowed 138 yards of total offense offense against Holy Cross. That's why they're not just Cam. They're Cam, offense, defense. They're a complete team, defending state champion. But think about Holy Cross and the schedule they've played here this year. This is the murderer's row they've run recently of Scott, Brossert, Newcath, Holmes, Beachwood. That's tough, man. This team's taking some lumps, but they're still showing up on Friday nights. And Braden Niemeyer showed up ready to be noticed in this game. Three sacks, and a touchdown catch. Good on Braden to keep playing hard. Holy Cross does have some more light talent opponents coming up here in the next few weeks, so a chance maybe for them to play closer games, maybe get a win or two. Uh, but this one's about Beachwood and continuing to motor towards uh, what I think is that showdown with Lexington Christian. Bishop Brosser, 36, Bracken County, nothing. The Mustangs took their defense on the road and did what they've done all year, destroyed the hopes and dreams of opposing offenses. The fighting Wigginses allowed 64 rushing yards and 13 passing yards en route to their eighth straight victory of the season and are a Friday victory away from securing home field advantage in the playoffs. They're currently ranked fifth in the 1A RPI behind Pikeville, Russellville, Raceland, and Kentucky Country Day. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, what a night for the Brossard ground game. 402 yards and five touchdowns, led by Jacob Light, who rushed for 161 yards on 13 attempts and scored two touchdowns. Jed Martin carried the ball 22 times for 157 yards and also scored a touchdown. Dave Govan had four carries for 39 yards and a touchdown. Evan Orth also scored a touchdown and rushed for 16 yards. Mason Meyer had a 13-yard run. Tyler Kreidenweiss and Eli Pittman also carried the ball for Brossert. Jacob Light was 4 of 7 passing to 4 different receivers for 67 yards. It's a trend today. Spreading it out. Spread it out. Evan Orth. Evan Orth had a 25-yard catch. Derek Martin had a 21-yard catch. Govan had a 13-yard catch. And Jed Martin had an 8-yard catch. 
Leighton Martin both had two-point conversions on Friday night. Govan led the defense with seven tackles, one for loss and an interception. Orth, Alex Reese had five. Eli Tweehus had four and a forced fumble. Light also had four tackles, one for loss, and recovered a fumble. Thomas Sayers had four tackles with one being for a loss as well. We talk about Martin and Light so much, man. Dave Govan. You go, Van. Rushing touchdown, tackle for loss, team high seven tackles, interception all over the place in this game. So a big game for him. We talked about the aggregate score of Beachwood. <laughs> Brossards, 216 to 22. Wow. They've allowed 22 points in eight games this season. So Brossard is second in the state in defensive points allowed per game with seven. Brossard is number one with less than three. Less than three points a game. That's how good their defense is playing at Bishop Brossard High School. Eight and O. Oh, not only the only Class A team with eight wins, no other team in their class has more than six. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of year they're having. Ranked ninth in the AP poll. Eh, kind of underrated, I would think. I need a vote. I need a vote for these top 10 teams in their classes. When you Google how to get AP credits. I actually Googled the other day how to become a Heisman voter. Oh. Yeah. Well, because, you should be. Well, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Not. because You're a TV guy. Well, that's the thing because um, one of my colleagues from our parent company also owns a TV station in Louisville, W-A-V-E, Wave, the oh, NBC. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Kent Taylor. Great dude, been around a long time. He's a Heisman voter. Mm. He actually called me last year doing his Heisman vote. He's like, what do you think of Desmond Ritter? Should I give Desmond Ritter a Heisman vote? And I was like, how do I become a Heisman voter, yeah, man? We, we need to get credentials. So I looked it up, and basically someone has to go out, and then you have to go in because the state only gets a certain number of voters. I don't know if I qualify in Kentucky or in Ohio. I work in Ohio. I live in Kentucky. So but you also work things. in Kentucky. I do. That's a great point. And when I talked about that story I did on the uh, young lady who ran cross country for Campbell yeah. County, that won awards in both Ohio and Kentucky. Emmys? I did not win Emmys. Well, that's next. I don't. Th- I don't think I actually entered it for an Emmy. No. One of my One coworkers day. put it in there for I need to be a able different to say Emmy yeah. Award winner Joe Daneman. Sports director. I like to put in zero time Emmy Award winner Joe Daneman <laughs> just to make fun of myself a little bit. But uh, Light and Martin, 318 combined rushing yards in this, this game. And these two just every single week put up big numbers. The defense puts up huge numbers. They held Bracken County to 77 total yeah. yards in four quarters. And Bracken County's had a good year. They got a nice little team. And so you're seeing so what, what Bishop Rossard is. defense is uh, really well. Jed Martin, the real Jed Martin, the only Jed Martin, 887 yards rushing and seven touchdowns in eight games. He's going to have 1,000 yards. Is he going to have it Friday night? Maybe 10 touchdowns. Yes. Coach Wiggins is going to be so pissed He's going to feed him. Oh, now, now he's going to see him with 111 yeah. yards and say, you're out, kid. Yeah. Wait till week 10. No. So. Look, we've been talking about it. We saw this coming from like week three, week mm-hmm. four, that maybe Bishop Brossert finishes the regular season undefeated with a 10-0 record. Look, I don't know how much that means to Coach Wiggins. If I'm on that team, that means a bunch to me. I want that undefeated record. I would imagine it means a lot to him. Because that would be something you talk about, I would think, for the rest yeah. of your life and certainly would be put on a banner at a gym that they had an undefeated regular season. Ryle 44, Campbell County 11. The Raiders pick up their sixth win of the season. Behind another big night from quarterback Logan Virax, Logan was 11 of 18 for 294 yards and threw three touchdown passes. His first, a 69-yarder to receiver Gavin Rourke, which was his first of the game with eight minutes remaining in the first quarter. 
early in the second. Virax at Rourke would team up again on an eight-yard touchdown pass to put the Raiders up to 14-0. Virax's third touchdown pass was a 64-yarder to Hunter Vaughn with 319 left in the second to make it 21-3. Caden Gardner's 72-yard punt return touchdown with 205 left in the half sent Ryle to the fieldhouse with a 27-3 lead. Jace Harden's two-yard touchdown run three minutes into the third quarter made it 34-3, and Jackson Belk ran one in from two yards out a minute later to put Ryle up 41-3. Summer Denigan's 37-yard field goal early in the fourth ended the Raiders scoring. Jackson Belk had nine tackles. Gabe Savage had seven, including one-and-a-half for loss. Caden Gardner had five with one-and-a-half for loss. Hunter Vaughn also had five. Belk and Nathan Yowen both had interceptions. Belk returned his for 35 yards, and Yowen returned his for 45. Caden Gardner caught three passes for 90 yards. Gavin Rourke had four catches for 89 yards. Hunter Vaughn caught two for 76. Dylan Ciula had a 32-yard catch. Lucas Kohlmeyer and Jamison Smith also had catches. That's another one of those trends. I mean, Virax targeting all these different guys, and that's every week almost. And then they also have... Six, seven, eight dudes that rushed the ball as well. And what I liked about Ryle, and I know you still have more to say about this game, what I really liked about Ryle, when I saw him play against Highlands, that the game plan was to pound, play offense with the running game, and really try to wear those guys out. In this game, you can see it was through the air where Virax was having a lot of success, spreading the ball around a little bit. So that's versatility of the Ryle offense to be able to win games in multiple ways, I think makes them really dangerous. For the Camels, Nathan Smith was 13 of 25 for 123 yards and threw a touchdown pass to Des Davey in the fourth quarter and kicked a 32-yard field goal with four minutes left in the first half to put Camel County on the board. Des caught four passes for 46 yards. Keegan Hill had three catches for 52 yards and carried the ball twice for 10 yards. Creed Marr had two catches for 17 yards. Camden Abel had six carries for 21 yards. Aiden Bowens had eight carries for 16 yards and two catches for five yards. Zach Funston had six tackles and a sack. Brad Whitaker had four. Creed Marr and Hunter Wiseman had three. Aiden Bowens also had a fumble recovery. So the big picture for Ryle is five of six in the win column, improving to five and two, ranked number six in the Class 6A AP poll in the one loss in those last six games was a game against Louisville St. Xavier, and I thought Ryle really competed well in that game and, and proved they can play with some of the best teams in the entire state. I like them attacking Campbell through the air with success, getting Logan Virax playing some good football again, again, a young quarterback, uh, seeing that success, building that confidence as you get towards the more important games here at the end of the season. Look, if Saturdays are for the boys, Fridays are for Jackson Belk, man. Nine tackles. <laughs> A pick, a rushing touchdown, big-time game for Jackson Belk. Uh, I, I love that linebacker room at Ryle High School, man. They have some dudes who play on defense for Ryle. So uh, you look at their offense. Their offense can beat you in multiple ways. They have tackle machines on defense. And Summer Denigan is a weapon here, man. She is a Fox 19 now feature waiting to happen because we see often that girls – will play football. They will be Mm -hmm. kickers, but she's legit, man. She's not just on the team. She's in there making extra points, kicking 37-yard field goals. She is a big-time soccer player, has a future playing soccer at the next level, but she's on the football team as well, doing well. So I would love to go out and do a story on her and how well she's doing. Uh, Ryle is number 10 of the state in scoring defense. 
Their schedule is fun to me because they still have road games against Dixie and Covcath in two of their final three, so that'll be fun to see if they can stay sharp before they get to the playoffs. For Campbell County, six straight losses haven't won since August, but developing that young quarterback, Nathan Smith, in this game, 123 yards, had a touchdown pass, so Nathan Smith is seeing some of the best competition you can see at a young age. I have to think he can only get better the more reps he gets here at the end of the season. I like this game next for Campbell County. They're playing Simon Kenton, two teams that I want to see them get up and down a little bit and, and kind of let it loose and, and have a high-scoring game because we know Simon Kenton can do it. I would love to see Nathan Smith have a breakout game against Campbell County because they finished with Dixie and they finished with Corbin, who I mentioned leads the state in scoring margins. So it's really tough, the final two. I'm hoping Campbell and Simon Kenton can put on a good show next week. Newport 21, Lloyd 14 in overtime. The Cats win their second in a row and a thriller in Newport, which is becoming the trend when these two meet up. Lloyd's Caden Zulager once again had himself a night and has become the juggernaut's workhorse of late. Caden rushed 30 times for 141 yards and scored both of Lloyd's touchdowns to give the Jugs a 14-0 lead. Newport would storm back in the fourth quarter and score twice to force overtime. The first Newport touchdown came on a 16-yard touchdown run from junior Michael King, his sixth touchdown of the season. Newport would then get a two-point conversion from Ethan Jefferson to make it 14-8. Quincy Barber's three-yard touchdown pass from Ethan Jefferson with 27 seconds remaining in the game would tie the score, but the extra point was no good, forcing overtime. On Newport's first possession, Jefferson would again find Barber for a three-yard touchdown pass to put the Wildcats ahead. Julian Maxwell's extra point made it 21-14. Lloyd's bid to force double overtime came up short when Quincy Barber when Quincy Barber tackled Zulager on fourth down to end the game and send the Newport faithful home happy campers. Ethan Jefferson was 14 of 28 for 162 yards and rushed for 42 yards. Michael King rushed five times for 10 yards. Michael Martin rushed four times for nine yards. Caleb Thompson had three catches for 53 yards. King had five catches for 47 yards. Barber had four catches for 37 yards. Kyle Lee had a 16-yard catch and Michael Martin had a nine-yard catch. Robert Sanders led the Cats with 12 tackles, four for loss and a sack. What a beast. He's unbelievable. Andrew Rath had 11 tackles. Michael Sebastian had eight. Barber had seven. Kyler Jones and Derek Mays both had five. Michael King had three. Newport's defense recorded seven tackles for loss and two sacks on Friday. For Lloyd, outside of Zulager, Ethan Spalding had three carries for eight yards. Quentin Jones had an eight-yard run and caught two passes for 26 yards. Braxton Irwin had an 11-yard catch and an 8-yard run. Hayden Spencer was 6 of 12 for 47 yards. Zulogger had a 5-yard catch as well. Amari Riley had 10 tackles. Jeremiah Lyles and Tyler Copeland had 5. Evander Abrams had 4. And Carlos Escobar had an interception. Man, Robert Sanders. The Sandman. Gosh, he's in the backfield every single Friday night. He is a game wrecker. He's a lot of fun to watch, having a big-time year for Newport. And how about Newport? Two in a row for Brian Weinrich. Man, now officially 3-5 and five on this season. Ethan Jefferson making big plays. Quincy Barber, man, you know, not just the touchdowns, but you talked about the fourth-down tackle on Zulager to end the game. 
So Quincy and that's Barber, a tough cat to cackle. And Quincy Barber's not no. a big kid from what I saw in the highlights. He's a smaller guy, and for him to stick his nose in there and make that tackle, uh, mm-hmm. big-time play for him. Uh, chance now for Newport at a third straight win Friday night against Holy Cross. That'd be big for Brian Weimrick in his first year at Newport to kind of get this thing going back in the right direction. But we've seen since the return of Ethan Jefferson just how much more competitive Newport is when yep. they have their guy back at quarterback. So, uh Things going better for Newport here in the second half of the season as they get that second win in a row. Lloyd loses their fourth in a row, drops to two and five. But Caden Zulager, Mr. Blue Steel, with a stat line that is really, really good looking. 30 carries, 141 yards, two touchdowns. I thought Lloyd played really well defensively in this game. They held Ethan Jefferson Newport to less than 200 total yards and only 14 points in regulation. They got got a little bit in overtime with Quincy Barber and Ethan Jefferson uh, combining to make a big play, but that defense showed well against what can be a difficult offense to handle. So uh, for Newport, four losses in a row. Now they got Beachwood. Eh, that's tough. Uh, but you know Caden Zulager when the boys are going to show up and play on a Friday night. Dayton 44, Bellevue 7. Devils! Dayton rushed for 351 yards. And their defense came up big as well, as the paddle will live for another year on Green Devil Lane. Brian Lewis paced the Devils with nine carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Preston Baggett rushed for 107 yards and a touchdown. Caden Carraway had 45 yards on six carries and a touchdown. Keith Souter ran the ball twice for 42 yards, and Russell McIntyre had seven carries, 24 yards, and a touchdown. Carraway also had a fumble recovery that he took 71 yards to the house and a a two-point conversion. Isaiah Lovins and Eric Jimenez both had 11 tackles. Jimenez had three tackles for loss. Baggett had eight and a forced fumble. Dylan Davis also had eight. Caleb Crutchfield, Juan Naranjo, and Keith Souter all had six. The Tigers were led by Zach Noonchester, who rushed 17 times for 108 yards in the Bellevue touchdown. Logan Allen rushed 17 times for 53 yards. Steven Myers had eight carries for 41 yards. Allen and Myers led the defense with seven tackles. Allen also had an interception, and Myers had a sack. Bronson Orms had six tackles and a sack. Zach Noonchester had six tackles. Henrik Steffens had five, and Braden Corley had four tackles and a sack. Keegan Rizzo also had an interception and two tackles. Okay, Dayton, four and three, won the paddle in dominant fashion in this game, too. The fighting Herbs. Four to seven, Mm -hmm. man. So four and three now. Boy, all those rushing yards, 351 rushing yards, five TDs on the ground. It is kind of rare to have two kids both run for more than 100 yards in a game. Lewis and Baggett did that for Dayton. And Dayton's defense here, now we talked about the offense, had five tackles for loss of the backfield. So it feels like Dayton won this game up front. When mm-hmm. you run the ball that well, and then you make all those plays in the backfield defensively, it feels like you won this game with your offensive and defensive line. So shouts to both those units for Dayton High School. Bellevue drops to 1-6, and six, but Zach Noonchester is a football player, man. He shows up every week and plays. 108 yards rushing and a touchdown in this game, so a big game for Zach. Bellevue did some things on defense, man. If you go through those stats in the state, you're going to find that Bellevue, their defensive line can get in there and make some plays, man. They had three more sacks in this game. They intercepted two passes, so the Bellevue defense... Uh, stood up, made some plays, but Dayton was just a better team. Bellevue next plays Ludlow. 
So a chance for them to be competitive against Ludlow before they finish with really two hard ones when they play Newcath and Holmes. Uh, but the story here is Dayton winning the paddle again. That's a big deal, man. The battle for the paddle. We show it every year on the final quarter. It's one of my favorite games in Dayton got it done this week. Highlands, 41, Boone County, nothing. The Birds snapped their four-game slide and even their district record with the win in Florence. Brody Benke was 8 of 15 for 70 yards and threw three touchdown passes. Cameron Bottom was 4 of 7, passing for 37 yards. And Ryan DeBerger threw a 10-yard touchdown pass to Jackson Higgison. Max Schultz rushed five times for 25 yards. Dawson Jose had two carries for 14 yards. And Sam Robinson had four carries for 10 yards and a rushing touchdown. Davis Hennegardner had five catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. Griffin Richter had an 18-yard touchdown catch. Clayton Lloyd had a 14-yard catch. Carson Class had an 11-yard touchdown catch. And Isaac Surrey had an 8-yard touchdown catch. The Birds had nine different receivers catch passes and eight players carry the ball on Friday. Henry King had six tackles and three sacks. Caleb Kissy had three tackles, all for loss. And Jackson Higgison had two tackles, both for a loss and a sack. Adam Dunn had an interception for the Rebels. Samuel Brown had five carries for 32 yards. Jeremiah Williams had five carries for 12 yards. Richard West was 12 of 20 for 54 yards. Braden McCarty rushed for eight yards and caught eight passes for 47 yards. Tyler Whipple had two catches for 30 yards. Maury Kenny and Caleb Benden had five tackles. McCarty had three. Michael Lee and Noah Haynes both had two. Snaps the Birds' four-game losing streak. Highlands improves to 4-4, four and four, their first shutout of the season, winning 41-0. So Boone kept this game tight for a half, only 14-0. The third quarter, my understanding is Highlands blocked two punts that were game-changing moments. Nate Welch, Henry King, big plays. And so when you look at the offensive numbers, not a great offensive night for either team, but Highlands won this game with defense. They yep. pitched a shutout and special teams. And we've seen that from Highlands over the years, that special teams are such an emphasis with them, and they can be such a difference maker. And they were obvious difference maker for Highlands in this game. They didn't have Charlie Noon. Um, my understanding was he dressed, did not play, banged up a little bit, but Brody Benke, Cam Bottom came in and played quarterback and got the job done for Highlands. Obviously a really big game next for the Bluebirds playing their big arch rival. For for Boone, they dropped a 3-5 and five with Cooper and Takes Creek left on the schedule. They just can't get Richard West going. We know what a weapon he is offensively for them, uh, running the football, obviously from the quarterback position. But this really tough stretch they've had on the schedule of Connor, Cuffcath, and Highlands, he's run the ball 39 times for negative 20 yards. So they got to get him going here somehow in the final couple of weeks before the playoffs start because he can be such a difference maker for them, such a weapon out of the backfield. He and uh, Williams, the running back, are, are kind of a one-two punch, and, and West has just been kind of – you know, kind of running in the mud here against some really tough teams yeah. recently. Got to get them going, and I think they can. But the big story here is Highlands. Again, defense, special teams, finding other ways to win. And hopefully Charlie Noon is ready to play on Friday night against Cuffcath. Holmes, 24, Boyd County, 13, and a must-win for the Bulldogs at home. Holmes fought back after trailing in the second half to keep their home playoff hopes alive. Quarterback Miguel Garcia, who replaced the injured Tess Calloway, stepped in and stepped up. Miguel had a 45-yard touchdown run with 2.02 left in the first to give Holmes a 6-0 lead. Boyd County would answer on their next possession to make it 7-6, where it would remain until Amarion Arnold's two-yard touchdown run with 142 remaining in the third quarter put the dogs up for good. 
Tate Callaway would follow that up with a 70-yard touchdown run with 8.51 to go in the game to make it 18-7. Boyd County would score with six minutes to play, but Garcia would put the game away with a 25-yard touchdown run with 3.54 remaining. What a night for Miguel Garcia. 13 carries for 112 yards and two touchdowns. Tate Callaway ran the ball 15 times for 204 yards and a touchdown. Tate Callaway had five runs that were more than 20 yards. Marion Arnold had 10 carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. Curtez Hill rushed for 24 yards. Arnold had an interception for the Ben Neville's defense. Adam Boone and Darius Boyd both had fumble recoveries. So I'm currently on Holmes's KHSAA site here to look up Miguel Garcia. I think we're seeing the future here at quarterback for Holmes a little bit. Oh, yeah. Coach Neville's and I had a nice little chat about him on uh, Sunday. So he's a junior, so he'll be back next year. They have him listed, by the way, as quarterback, running back, wide receiver, defensive back, and safety. (laughs) Might as well just put A-T-H, athlete, because Miguel Garcia is that. So he stepped in, played quarterback. I hadn't heard of Miguel until this game, so... Hello. He's been, in, he's been in some games. 14 carries, 116 yards, two touchdowns. Again, you're seeing the future of Holmes quarterbacking with Miguel Garcia, and uh, he delivered in this game. But this is what Holmes is, right? They're a team who runs the ball. They play defense. They force turnovers. They force three turnovers in this game. They ran it for nearly 400 yards and four touchdowns in what you called a must-bounce-back win. They got it after losing to Rowan County. They're 5-2. and two. They're top 20 in the state, Holmes is, as a team, in rushing yards per game. So we know their identity, and certainly one of the identifiers for this team is Taquan Callaway, who is top 25 in the state with 122 yards rushing per game. He's flirting like other people in the state, uh, and certainly here in the region, with 1,000 yards uh, rushing this year, has 855 yards rushing in seven games. So Taquan has a chance here. Uh, this week or maybe in the final couple of weeks to get up to 1,000 yards rushing this year. That's a big number for a football player. But Holmes is 5-2, and two, bounce back, looking good, 24-13 win over Boyd County. Walton Verona, 42, Owen County, 12. The Barthcats pick up their fifth win of the year and are now 3-0 and in District 5 games with two remaining before their Week 11 bye. Max Montgomery had himself a night on Friday night. Max was 7 of 8 for 156 yards and threw two touchdown passes to Trey Hatmaker, who caught six passes for 143 yards out of kid Trey. Boy, Trey. Montgomery also rushed for 13 yards and had a rushing touchdown. Tyson Beach did work. Five carries, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Chris Harward had a 53-yard touchdown run. Ben Teepee had had five carries for 28 yards. Wiley Baker rushed for 18 yards and a touchdown as well. Beach had a 13-yard catch for Walton Verona. Nolan Art continues to pace the Fighting Barths with five tackles, one for loss, a sack, and an interception. Nolan leads the team with 53 tackles on the year. Braden Daniels and Chris Harwood had four tackles, with Harwood recording a tackle for loss and a sack. Carter Birch, Max Schneider had three tackles, tackles for loss and sacks. Ethan Art also had a tackle for loss and sack. Walton totaled six tackles for loss and six sacks on Friday night. Man, it's like in the freshest breakfast bar. All you yeah. can eat, man, for that defense. Get in there. Chomp, chomp. Uh, three in a row for Walton Verona, now five and three. That might be the quietest five and three mm-hmm. in Northern Kentucky, considering how they've gone about their business here yeah, the last they need few to get weeks. Healthy. 
They need and, to get healthy, yeah. But they're doing a good job now of mm-hmm. kind of putting guys in different spots to maximize yeah. their offense. And my guy, Trey Hatmaker, man, Hatmaker, Hatmaker, catch me a catch. Six catches, 143 yards, two touchdowns, reinvented himself this year. Former quarterback. They got Max Montgomery now in at quarterback, and Hatmaker is now making plays as a wide receiver. What that must do for a young quarterback like Max Montgomery, when you take over at quarterback and the guy you replace now goes out there, reinvents himself a little bit, makes plays, that's got to be immeasurable for the confidence of a young guy saying, man, look at that guy. That's a teammate right there to go out now and be a playmaker like Hatmaker is being as a wide receiver. But Tyson Beach, man, just another day at the Tyson. Mm-hmm. Five carries, 103 yards, touchdown. Not how many touches you get, but what you do when you get them. And Tyson Beach is a kid who scores a touchdown almost every single game, it feels like. Eight different players with a carry in this game. We know about the depth of Walton Verona, what they're trying to develop. But that defense, man, we talked about it. What a big-time night. Make all those plays in the backfield on defense. And then you look at their schedule. The next two seem winnable against Shawnee and Trimble County. So a good look at 7-3 and three for a possible regular season record for a team who just seems to be growing this year as the season continues. 5-3 and three, quietly in Northern Kentucky. To the Week 9 games. First matchup will be Thursday night. Beachwood will travel to Lloyd. They both moved this game so we could have officials for all games on Friday. They're important. Much appreciated there. Friday night, Boone County will travel to Cooper. Ryle will travel to Dixie. What do you think there, Joe? Yeah, so two big games on Friday night, and we have them back-to-back here on your list. So Ryle and Dixie is the big one in 6A. Ryle is top 10 in the state. Dixie has a lot of talent, a lot of players. I'm looking forward to most the game within the game here is the Dixie offense against the Ryle defense. Mm -hmm. I I do think Ryle is going to have success moving the ball against Dixie. Can Dixie keep up against that really tough, really tough linebacking core for Ryle and put up points? It's going to be hard. I mean, look, Ryle held Louisville St. Xavier to 13 points when they played just a couple of weeks ago. So that's the game within the game to me is the Dixie offense against the Ryle defense and what feels like a really big game. That almost feels like a playoff game here. It does. Mid-October, Ryle and Dixie, two good games or two good teams in one big game. I'm really looking forward to that. I think that might be the game of the night in Northern Kentucky on Friday night. Covington Catholic will travel to Highlands. What do you think there? It's two teams that I don't know if we really even know exactly what their full potential could be just yet, right? Yeah. I think there's still more I for agree. these teams to to show and do. So it's it's almost unpredictable. I would think when you put Covcath and Highlands out there and you know Covcath has gone to their sophomore quarterback. I was just thinking to myself, what a what an atmosphere it's a for big the spot for this week. Yeah. But they've had an off week and a chance now to to have a couple of weeks to get prepared for Highlands. I really hope Charlie Noon is ready to play I in this too. game because whenever you play in a big game, you want all the big kids to play. You want all the main players to play. So, uh, again, Ryle Dixie circled, Covcast circled as, I think, the two biggest games on Friday night. Harrison County will travel to Holmes. Newport will travel to Thomas Moore to play Holy Cross. Scott High will go to Boyd County. Bellevue will travel to Ludlow. Dayton will go to Newport Catholic. Bishop Brossert will go to Paris in a, honestly, they can lock up 1A at that point of the home field. Home foot advantage, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Campbell County will travel to Simon Kenton. We got anything there, Joe? Yeah, I want to say uh, about Scott, they didn't have a game this week, but uh, again, another team that we talked about, Walton Verona, quietly. 
getting themselves into a good position. Scott's now ranked in the Class 4A poll mm-hmm. as number nine yeah. in the state and having a chance here to keep that momentum going back on the field against uh, Boyd County. Bishop Brosser, we talked about having the big-time year. Uh, the one other team that uh, I wanted to talk about here is is Campbell County with a chance against Simon Kenton to kind of let loose a little bit. We talked about it during their game, but I, I really want to see Campbell County and Simon Kenton put on a good show on Friday night. Two teams who deserve it, two coaches who deserve it uh, to go out there and, and have a good game and, and really and, and kind of show what they're about and uh, let their quarterbacks play because I know it's a young quarterback at Campbell County. It's an established quarterback at Simon Kenton. I'd like to see this game get up and down the field a little bit and let these kids showcase what they're about. Final thought? My final thought would be that I think we're starting to see some separation a little we bit. Are. You know, it, it takes some times until week eight to find out fully who these teams are. We knew what Beachwood was going to be. We know Beachwood's right there as one of the best teams in the state, regardless of class. Um, you know, it, it took us a little bit of the season to understand fully what Ryle is. I think Ryle is... Um, has asserted itself as the best big school team in Northern Kentucky and certainly a top 10 team in Kentucky's biggest class in Trinity. Oh, man. Remember in Star Wars when they like rebuilt the Death Star? Again, it feels like they're on the way back. And it was under construction when you came around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so oh, no. They're back. You know, they won at yeah. Cincinnati St. X, who's probably the best team in Ohio uh, a couple of weeks ago. So Trinity's on the way up. Uh, so maybe uh, Class 6A won't be... Uh, I, I never thought it was going to be easy, but you know, there's still that Death Star kind of waiting in 6A. So we'll see about the rest of the state. But uh, Ryle certainly has separated itself from the pack in 6A, even though they have a big game this week against Dixie. Um, the 5A thing is just, it's fun to me. I, I don't even know who the best team in Northern Kentucky in 5A is. I don't know if we'll even know after the playoffs are done. So interesting. Yeah, it's 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 any given Friday night with those mm-hmm. teams, with, with Cooper and Highlands and Covcath. And even Connor sometimes can jump up and bite you a little bit. But I think we've seen some separation. The new cat has separated itself a little bit. Brossard has separated itself a little bit. And certainly the uh, the other main players that we've hit on in this in, in this podcast. But, you know, we're getting close to the playoffs. And it's time for these teams to, to start putting their uh, best foot forward, playing their best football. And I think we're seeing the best teams do that. Yeah. And my final thought, I'm excited to talk about some conversation that I've had in the last few days. The Northern Kentucky Youth Football League which has you know, been around for a long time, has produced a lot of great talent over the years. They've approached us with an idea of partnering with the Northern Kentucky Officials Association. Partnering up next year, the plan is to reach out to the member schools and seek out incoming juniors, incoming seniors, and outgoing players and have like an internship. They'll be provided with the gear. They want to pay for their gear. The NKOA, which is the Officials Association, will build and develop a mentoring program that will be used as a platform for the players to obviously learn the rules of the game and work games at the youth level with these people while getting paid to work the same amount. Also, it promotes a very good atmosphere for the kids. That way they don't think, well, these officials are just out to get us and throw penalties. You know, I've worked a lot of games with kids over the years that uh, I would call when they were younger, and then when they got to high school, they would you know walk by and they would say, "Hey, yeah, I remember you yeah. from the youth league," <laughs> or especially with the with these high school kids. Now, obviously, we need the member schools to participate with this as well. I think it's a great opportunity to for the kids. I think it'll be a really good atmosphere. You know, the league, their position will be to encourage organizations to work with these young people and provoke a positive atmosphere for them. 
which is the one thing you could say about youth sports all over the place is that people are crazy and, you know, people get on this and that. And that's why a lot of people leave, whereas the league itself is now saying, look, this is how you want to act and this is how you want to be towards these people who were our own kids just a few years ago. Then you may leave. You don't have to stay. You don't have to coach. You don't have to sit in the stands. I think it's a really good opportunity for kids to make a little money, kind of see the other side of it, make some new friends. Whose idea was this? This is a cool idea. Um, Honestly, I can't tell you if it was who the individual was that thought of it, but I received a call from both Ken Morgan, who's been with the Red Devils. His son is Don Morgan, that plays for Newcath. And then Joey Tucker, Mm -hmm. um, who is with the River City Ducks. And his son plays for Newcath as well, Quentin Gilliam. Now, Joey's, I believe, the vice president of the league. And I don't know what Kenny's official capacity with the league is. I know that he's been over... He oversees the Red Devils organization. So conversation started Saturday. I've had multiple conversations with Joey and Kenny since then. But, you know, you're also thinking these are guys with with kids who have grown up in this league and have had relationships with officials. They see them growing up. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it gives the kids a couple of things. First of all, so my 13-year-old, you know, we're starting to get towards the age where it's like, all right, Luke, you need to start uh, thinking about a summer job or something like yeah. that here in a couple of years. He wants to referee, like, sideline, use sports, that kind of thing. I'm like, exercise, get him out there. And you can do it at a younger age because when I started working, I had to wait till I was 16 till I could work at Skyline and drive myself back and forth. And that's what I did. But, you know, 13, 14 years old, he can get up and down the sideline a little bit and make a few bucks. And they've done it for soccer and baseball yeah, for years. That's when, you know, I don't have to pay for his V bucks and mm-hmm. his Fortnite stuff anymore. So he can buy his own stuff. That'd be great. But I think the most important thing is you're starting to create, um, you know, the idea that, you know, kids can do it at a younger age and then follow through with it as they get older, because, it's one of those things that I've always thought it'd be kind of fun to be a rep, but how do I get started? I don't know how yes. to get started. Where do, we, where do I go? Yep. Is it too late? That kind of thing. Now you're giving these chance for these kids to- At no cost. No to cost to go out there and try it at a young age. And I think that would be fun. Yeah. Maybe you learn more about the game too. I mean, could you imagine being you know, 16, 17 years old and you, know, you don't do anything on Sunday anyway, right? Right. And come out, walk away with you know, 150, 200 bucks for a one day work. And not have to pay anything for it. But the work will be done in the preseason to kind of get everybody ready for them to learn rules, you know, rules study, things like that. And, you know, we've got a bunch of we got a bunch of really good people who understand the game. They teach it in a way that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can understand it. And they're just good people to be around. I think it's great. Where are you gonna be Friday night? Well, if it rains, I'll be at home manning the phones and the computer. If it doesn't rain, I don't know. I may go up to Highland since it's close. So if it rains, you're going full dark night mode. Oh, it'll be dark night. It'll be awful. I'll be out there getting rained on. Yeah, I'm not a... No, no. I do know we are at Ryle and Dixie mm-hmm. for our pregame. Oh, uh, is that a drinks. Skyline Chili game? That is the Crosstown Showdown. Come on. Yeah, so we'll be there, uh, and I'm sure I'll probably stay in Northern Kentucky for the rest of the night. So, yeah, I've been in Ohio last several weeks on Fridays be nice to be back in kentucky and see some of these squads yeah well we will see you guys next week most likely on monday nice how about that we'll do it until then we'll see you guys later